Hi, everybody. This is Ann Wilson, and this is Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Joe Bonamassa, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Mark Broussard, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. episode 502 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 502, we're very proud to welcome to the show Mark Broussard, who I think many of you probably know as is sort of a soul singer. Uh, He's released a series of of albums over the last 10 years. Uh, But he's got a new album out that actually hit the number one spot on the blues charts. It's called Save Our Souls Volume 4, Blues for Your Soul. Um, And this one is on Keeping the Blues Alive Records, which is the offshoot of Joe Bonamassa's J&R Adventures. Um, So Joe was heavily involved with the album, has played on a couple of the tracks, and a host of other guests, which we talk about in the interview with Mark. So we're going to play you a little bit of the album give you a taste of some of Mark Broussard uh, bluesier side and then we'll get into that interview with Mark to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Mark Broussard on the line. How you doing, Mark? I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure, and I, I need to start off by congratulating you on a number one album in the Blues album chart. How, how does that feel? Oh, man, it felt incredible. I hadn't thought about the charts in a very, very long time, uh, just because I hadn't sniffed the chart in a very, very long time, so... It was a very, very serious surprise. Um, short-lived how it was, but well, hey, it was fun for about it, a week there. That's all right. I mean, hey, how many people, you know, you look back and it's funny, um, you know, we do a lot of things, you know, especially online, you know, this day in music history and kind of stuff. And how many songs that or albums that are really transcended time never made it to number one? You know, I mean... 
beyond Pyromania and things like that that never made it to number one in their respective charts. So um, you take that, you take that, uh, and you hang your hat on that for the for the rest of your career. I think. Um, can you talk a little bit about how um, the move to the Keeping the Blues Alive record you know, thing with with J and R Adventures, how that has kind of changed your career, you know, before and after. Oh man. Well, you know, look, I've been on, on labels before I've had other distribution partners and, mm-hmm. and partners generally speaking, um, from the last 20 years I've been doing it in, in virtually every capacity that you can. Sure. Um, Joe Joe has an exceptional team of people around him, and his team is very very motivated to get out there and hustle. Uh, so that would be the main difference is is just just how sincere Joe's team is with regards to uh, pulling off what they say they can and what they say they're going to. Yeah, you know this business is. You'll hear a whole lot of BS mm-hmm. from a whole lot of partners that you work with. Um, so it's just really nice to have people on board that that actually do what they're going to say. They, I mean, do what they say they're going to do. Now, in being in that label, I mean, if anybody's watched any of the the DVDs uh, with the uh, from J and R, you know, they talk about you know kind of changing the model of how booking and, and you know touring worked. You know, where you're renting venues as opposed to to paying. Do, do you guys? Do you have to? Are you kind of all in on that model that they use, or is this more just a record distribution at this point? And, and you know, maybe down the road we'll see how it goes. I've been a fan of Joe's model since I discovered it. You know that that's what they were doing uh, uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, my manager and I have talked about it a number of times. It's it, it's a it, it's a large investment up front. It's yeah. a big risk to take. And ultimately, we just haven't ever been in a position where we could replicate. Uh, but make no mistake, Joe is is doing it the way it ought to be done. Sure, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, the, this album, the, you know, that was released earlier this month, um, we'll call it the number one album. Um, SOS Four uh, songs for the uh, Save Our Soul, um, very blues influence but it's still you which which i think is is cool you know you you put this on and i don't go you know what happened to the guy who sounded like otis redding you know it's still there but it's it's bluesier um can you talk a little bit about how you know blues has kind of been in your career up to this point and and why the blues album this this go around the blues has always been in my wheelhouse um I would, I've, but I've always been more of a soul singer. Mm-hmm. So I'm way more familiar with Donny Hathaway's catalog than I am with Bobby Blue Bland's. But I've always enjoyed listening to Bobby's music. Um, Lonnie Johnson is a wonderful blues singer from the state of Louisiana, and, and his recordings are some of my favorites of all time. So I've always had this strong affinity for the blues, but I'm not a, you know, I grew up like a, grew up a middle-class existence in South Louisiana, um, rubbed elbows all my life with the underclass, but n- never really had a tough, tough go. You right. know what I mean? 
and I've always been kind of girl crazy. So <laughs> I, I've leaned more towards the guys like Stevie Wonder and Brian McKnight instead of, sure. you know, I didn't re I didn't realize who Johnny Taylor was until I was, you know, well into my teens. I had never heard Johnny Taylor until until then because I was a big music snob for a long time too, mm -hmm. from probably, you know, uh, five to to. 12 or 15 years old it was nothing but r&b contemporary r&b music for me brian mcknight yeah boys to men and, and the like so um anyways i started doing these sos albums many years ago uh the first project was was born out of the necessity to get another album out after being released from my record deal with mm -hmm. island def jam and not being able to take the album that I had just made. The CEO said it was too urban for them to put out, um, which was kind of wild because it was Island Def Jam. Yeah. But uh, it was too urban for them to put out. They didn't want to do, do that album with me. I said, let me go. They said, no problem, but you can't take your album with you. And I had had uh, my previous album, Karen Crow, had been released like three years prior. I couldn't get promoters to pick up the phone because promoters like to know that you have some extra juice going into making sure that those tickets get sold, right? Sure. And if you got no new album out, then you don't have the promo dollars from the record label to, to promote the tours. So we needed something to get back on tour. And uh, my bassist suggested a covers album, a soul covers album. And it was the quickest way we could get the job done. Sure. So we did that. That was a charity project for us. And then when I went independent about 10, 12 years ago, I decided uh, that this re record revenue that I never saw, because the calculus of a record deal is what it is, mm -hmm. uh, this money that is now coming my way that I never saw before and that I never needed was better spent keeping the lights on for people that actually needed to keep their lights on instead of the office buildings in New York sure. and LA. So, um, we started doing SOS albums, you know, these covers albums. I would basically get, you know, inspired by a particular charitable cause. And then that would kind of determine the playlist or at least determine the style of the album, the theme of the album. SOS 2 was another soul album that we used to raise money for a homeless women and children's shelter in Atlanta. Uh, SOS 3 was a lullaby album uh, that I, I put in conjunction with a children's book that I wrote. And we used that to raise money for a St. Jude affiliate hospital down here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then I set my sights on issues around incarceration. Uh, so I, I couldn't think of a better thing to do than the blues for, for that theme. And um, I reached out to a dear friend of mine, Calvin Turner, to talk to him about it, the guy that you know originally suggested I do these SOS albums. He and I are still very, very close. And I reached out to him to talk about this blues album. And uh, he said, man, you know, I've been doing some string and horn arranging for Josh and Joe, and uh, you should probably call them if you want to do the blues. They're like they're kind of the best at it. And I said, well, yeah, you're right about that. You mind greasing that wheel? I'll hit Joe from my end, and we'll see what comes of it. Mm -hmm. And here we are about a year later, 
um, with a with a number one album in our hands. Yeah, I mean the one one thing you you say a year later, and that's the one thing that that you always see with with those guys is is how rapidly it goes from concept to fruition. Um, you know, it seems like you blink and yeah, Joe's, I mean, I Joe's got another record. I, I I reached out just initially to say, hey, uh, you guys want to help me make this record? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to help me, you know, uh, pick the songs kind of thing? I need some guidance. Sure. And they were like, uh, no, we, we're going to produce this record and we, it's going to come out on Joe's label. And I was like, fellas, I give half the money away. Like we try to spend as little money as possible making these albums right. because we want so much of the revenue to go to the charitable causes. Um, so, I mean, my goal has always been to make them for as close to zero dollars as possible. Absolutely. Obviously, that's impossible, but nonetheless, we've gotten production costs down to as close to zero as, as anybody at this level of the industry possibly can. Yeah. And uh, they didn't bat an eye at it. Yeah, I think that that we moved very very swiftly on this project. And you used a lot of other guys, not just Joe, but I mean, on Calvin you mentioned, but JJ Gray and Eric, um, Roddy. Um, you know, was it just pick up the phone and you know guys are ready to go? You know, hear what you, you know. It's such a cool cause, you know. I think, and cool is probably a terrible word for it, but you know, and it's an important issue, and I think, you know, it affects so many people. Was was that? You know, do people kind of jump at that when you when you explain the the crux of what you were doing? Man, we as musicians so rarely get to hang out together. Yeah. Um, just because we're ships in the night, you know. Yeah. You might see your buddy's poster on the wall at the venue, but you very rarely get to see your buddy. Um, so when you get when you get the call. Especially if you can make it, especially yeah. if you can make it to the session. I think all of us that respect each other jump at those opportunities just to to hang for, you know, an afternoon with one another. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's very very easy to get my friends to come to the studio and play on my albums. Yeah, it's, it's. I just called JJ Gray up. I know JJ's got a studio set up at home. I know that he's a great engineer for himself, that he's going to turn in a really high-quality track and a fantastic performance. Um, luckily for me, I've always, you know, I always want Roddy on my albums. He's he's a fairly obscure guy to the world, but pretty well-known guy here in South Louisiana. And uh, I, I was fortunate that Joe and Josh ended up about three months after we finished tracking in, in L.A., uh, they were coming down here to South Louisiana to make an album with Mike Zito. And uh, that studio happens to be about 30 minutes from my house. So I needed to cut the final vocal on the last song on the record, uh, Driving Wheel. So I already had the plan to go out there while they were going to be here. And we used the opportunity to get my buddy Roddy in the studio as well. Krasno happened to be out in L.A., which is where he lives, but he happened to be home um, when we were tracking at Sunset Sound. So that was easy to get him to come over and swing through. And then I brought uh, my guitar player as well, Bobby Jr., to mm-hmm. the session, which, you know, bringing 
your own guitar player to a Bonamassa session is <laughs> intimidating. It's like bringing you know sand to the beach, but uh, but nonetheless, Joe is ex- exceptionally humble and and so so uh, willing to let somebody else take the spotlight. Yeah, and was was gracious enough to uh, give up the chair. Yeah, yeah, and that that's it is it is amazing when you, when you think of all he's accomplished to not you know come with a giant ego. Uh, you can see how that would be very easy to do. Um, oh so, yeah. So Mark, what? You know, obviously, you're taking this out on the road. You're going to be in Pittsburgh on the 18th of April. It'll be a fantastic night. From from the show, you know, for those coming out to see you, is this particular set? Do you anticipate? more blues in this or is this going to be kind of a, a career retrospect you know you know a lot of that good soul that we have come to, to love from you or, or how do you kind of build that set list well you know I've got a long relationship with, with fans in in that region uh, I've been coming to PA for a very very long time mm-hmm. I've played all over and uh, you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to, to to upset anybody, so I know I know that there are songs that people absolutely have to hear at my shows. Luckily, I still enjoy playing a lot of that material. Mm. Um, we had been kind of locked into a set list for the last five or six years or so, and then COVID caused some some of my band to. Uh, to get off the road permanently, uh, to take other gigs. Sure. Uh, so I had to rebuild. In the last two years, I've been through like four or five drummers, three or four bass players, uh, and a handful of other players as well. So been kind of uh, locked in uh, even further. Luckily, I finally have a, a group of guys that I feel really good about, and we've been able to start expanding the set list beyond what we were doing for a good long while here now. Um, so we're, we're still working out some kinks, but by the time I think we get to PA, what you'll hear is a, a really nice mix of everything that I've done over my career. Um, we, we play stuff from Karen Crow. Uh, we play stuff from Momentary Setback, which is my very first indie album uh, from 2002. There's a song on there called French Cafe that we just hadn't been able to play for a really, really long time. And uh, you'll hear a couple of tunes from this new blues album. The, we play uh, I'd Rather Drink Muddy Water, and that's what love will make you do every night. And they're a blast to play, man. I freaking yeah. love singing these two songs. They're so much fun to sing. Um. And then we party, you know. We, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna cry and we're gonna dance. That's that's it. it that sounds like the perfect evening. Muddy water, crying, dancing. Um, I think that that uh, <laughs> dots all the eyes, crosses all the t's. Um, do you? I mean, I know you you've done you know the 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 cover album. Do you kind of have a, a plan for what's next from a, a you know a, a pure Mark Broussard album at this point, or is that you know, well, let's let's ride this yeah, wave and see where I it goes. Do. I, I I do. So I, I'm I've been dropping singles these last few months. We've dropped a couple of singles, and I'm enjoying doing doing um, 
sort of psychedelic soul, really, really like uber soul, um, playing around with different characters vocally, kind of, yeah, just going into that psychedelic territory, sort of referencing some P-Funk gang vocals, kind of wild, mm -hmm. wacky, wacky sounding vocals and whatnot. I really enjoy doing that stuff, and I, I enjoy making that music. That's the stuff that I that I feel like is I'm most inspired to write right. these days. And luckily, it, it sort of keeps me relevant with the kids, yeah, uh, yeah. with the young ones. You know, my my, my I have some high schoolers, a, a junior and a sophomore in high school, um, and it's really interesting the songs out of my catalog that that those kids find uh most appealing they're they're the songs that i always knew the kids were going to find most appealing it's just interesting that that's still the case 15 years and 20 years on i mean i'm you know we're talking about songs from 2000 uh 2008 that i thought were, were going to translate to the kids and it, it happens to be the case that they did it just took you know this long yeah um that's no easy task but to you know to, to relate, you know, to, to teens, especially when they're your own. But we're gonna, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But we're gonna, um, we're gonna make another blues album. If I had to guess, I'm gonna okay. go ahead and that's the pro. I'm in the process right now of writing some blues music to make another blues album with Joe and Josh because this is just too fun. Yeah, it's too fun to to sing this stuff and to make these albums together yeah i mean and if you're having fun you know that that always comes off as authentic and i think that you know whether it's a you know blues album or a boys to men cover album if you're enjoying it you know i think the audience picks up yeah. on that so you know i don't know how well a boys yeah, to Men cover seeing, album would sell uh, but <laughs> i've been seeing on twitter uh everybody talking about this new t-pain covers album and I was listening to it a little while ago, and it definitely sounds like they were having a ball making that thing, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is amazing when when you you can genuinely, I think, you know, the more you listen to music, the more you can start to pick up on that. You, you know, when it's authentic or when it's just I'm fulfilling a contract, or you know, I've got to make an album because it was scheduled on the you know our five year plan had me doing an album right now. I got to make something, or whether it's it's coming from the from the heart. Um, you know, and sometimes those cover albums, no I think they can inspire you in such a way, you know, where you take those songs and make them your own uh, and inject life into them. I think that's that's priceless. So, Mark, well, I, I think the, you, the, the one defining feature of the covers is is how much deeper of a relationship I've got with some of these songs yeah. than any song I've ever written, especially songs that I write that I immediately have to go and cut. You know, if I write a song a month before the studio, it's a very different thing than singing a Johnny Taylor song that I've known since I was 18 years old. Yeah, that's very well said. I mean, you you, you are you've got a much more personal and you know, and plus, you know, when you you write a song, obviously you've got some inspiration from it. But I'm sure when you're going through some of these cover songs, yeah. you remember the first time you heard it, where your life was at when you heard mm -hmm. it. You know the the you know, some of that stuff can. I do. You know. I do. I remember. 
I remember hearing Johnny Taylor for the first time. I remember hearing I'd Rather Drink Muddy Water, walking, sneaking in when I was 17 years old to a little bar here in Karen Crow, Louisiana called Big Al's Hideaway. Big Al's got a fantastic jukebox and uh, and a pretty loose environment, a little pool hall, hole in the wall. And I remember sneaking in there, and when I walked in, place i'd rather drink muddy water was playing johnny taylor was was doing the opening bit uh and i was like oh my god this is the coolest thing i've ever heard in my life big big al's jukebox that's an album title in there somewhere that's now you know you know there is mark i want to thank you so much i don't i don't want to keep you you're going to be rolling in on the 18th it sounds like uh you know i i I think what what sounds so appealing about this show for me is that you're, you're not just going in one direction you're going in a bunch of different directions but it's all coming from the heart so uh, cannot wait to see you when you get into town man and i want to thank you for your time you got it john thanks for having me brother being so bold But this is my girl You're dancing with Excuse me, partner For being so cold See, we had a little argument She said it was over She said we were through All right, a big thank you to Mark Broussard. He will be at Jurgles on April 18th. That is a Drusky Entertainment show. If you go to ironcityrocks.com, we will have links for the tickets. You can also go to Mark's website and get uh, Save Our Soul Volume 4, Blues for Your Soul. Get autographed copies and all kinds of cool stuff from his website, so you want to check that out as well. Want to thank you for taking the time to listen. We are at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Iron City Rocks on all the social medias, and you can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know artists that you'd like to hear on the show in the future, things you, genres of music we haven't gotten into that you'd like to hear, or any other feedback you might have. So thank you again for taking the time to listen. <laughs>